0: Halftone Horrors, the history of horror movie comic books from the makers of Horrorhound Hound magazine, available now at HorrorHound.com. I'll never forget 1989, I was 11 years old, I picked up the Marvel A Nightmare on Elm Street comic, uh, and the teacher took it away from me, of course, because I was 11, but my mind was blown that this great movie had turned up as a Marvel comic. This hardbound, full-color tome is the most comprehensive reference guide ever produced on the subject of the merging worlds of horror cinema and comics. This 240-page collector's guide takes the reader through the history of the darker side of the comic book industry, including such films as Dracula, Frankenstein Creature from the Black Lagoon Night of the Living Dead, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Hatchet and more The Issues, the Variants, The ash cans, The History, written by Horrorhound Magazine's Nathan Hanneman Half Tone Horrors, the history of horror movie comic books, available now at HorrorHound.com Also at select comic book stores and on Amazon.com
1: Aw snap, we have a sponsor I want to be clear, this is a cool sponsor and you should you really should just go check them out. Like legit. Bustedtees.com. They have a huge selection of geeky hats, t-shirts, stickers, and socks. Themes from Star Wars and Star Trek to Harry Potter, Pac-Man, Back to the Future, other video game references, just all kinds of geeky, cool culture. You're definitely gonna find something there that speaks to your inner geek. Here's the deal: a checkout. You're going to see a spot to enter a code. Type in my name, that's Jason, followed by the number 25945. That's Jason25945. Get a pretty sweet discount. There's a link over on the website or head over to BustedTees.com and enter Jason25945 at checkout. BustedTees.com Designs that pop culture. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Who has a mixtape? We do. We do. Who needs a mixtape? You do.
0: You do. Who makes a mixtape? We do, we, do, we do. Who needs a mixtape? You do. You do. Uh,
2: hey, 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 hey. So come on, now listen to our mixtape. Mixtape, ha 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 ha! Welcome, 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 welcome! So come on and listen to our mixtape. Sing along clap to the beat. Settle in listen to our mixtape. And now the music finishes,
1: Enjoy your fortune sandwiches. All right, well, welcome everybody to another edition of the Mixtape Podcast. I'm Jason Emmett. I'm Toasty Kid Matt, and we're joined by a guest host tonight, uh, the one and only Mr. Frank Anthony Polito. Frank, how are you doing tonight?
3: Real good, thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, well, we are glad you could come on. I discovered Frank online. I was uh, doing what I always do, is out there searching for uh, 80s and 90s related stuff, and I stumbled across your novel. Do you want to take a few minutes to tell the folks at home about your most, I guess, is this your most recent novel?
3: Uh, are you talking Lost in the 90s?
1: I am, yes.
3: That book actually is about to turn 11 years old. Oh, my old. God. Uh ah, <laughs> cool. Yeah. It's my first YA novel. It was my first attempt at a YA novel. And uh, I'll just tell you guys this. Uh, if I talk too long, feel free to edit me down. But um, <laughs> I wrote this book. I started writing this book in 2010 because I knew the 90s were back. I knew it. I knew the 90s were coming back. I came off writing two books about the 80s before that, and I knew the 90s would be back. And I wrote this book. It's about, a, about an 18-year-old kid who, uh, he lives in 2012. His parents graduated in 1994. They were 18 when he was born. He travels back in time to 1994 on the eve of Kurt Cobain's death. uh, And he meets his parents, realizes that his mother is pregnant, but she hates his father. And if he doesn't get them together, He's not going to be born. So I stole it, you know, from Back <laughs> to the Future and this other book I read when I was a kid. Uh, and I wrote this book and I had an agent. The agent said it to all these publishers in New York and they all said, this book is great, but the kids today will not read a book set in the 90s or about the 90s. They won't get it. And I laughed because the references I made were like friends. And mad about you and Kurt Cobain and nothing that I considered <laughs> I could go obscure, but it was nothing I could consider obscure. obscure. Right. And long story short, in 2012, I self-pubbed it. I'm working with a screenwriting manager in L.A. right now. I, I wrote it into a screenplay. It's my goal to get it on screen. Um, and he actually told me the other day, I got the young people in my office reading it because I want to make sure they get the 90s stuff. I'm just like people, the nineties are back. They're back. You know, my my twenty year old niece loves friends and that nineties show yeah. and that yeah. there's a show I guess called uh Yellow Jackets and it's yep. set in the nineties yeah. and yeah. I just feel like I'm, a, I'm ahead of my time, and hopefully my time won't come.
1: My 17-year-old hey. is obsessed with Friends. She, I, Lord, it's Friends everything, everywhere all the time. So, yeah, you're, I think you're right on the cusp of, of where you should be. So yeah. that's exciting that you that you wrote a screenplay for it. And you might be yeah. getting it turned into a movie. That's really cool.
3: I will say that in my 90s book and my 280s book, um, I, ch- I title every chapter after a song. So uh,
1: I I give you kudos I uh, I wrote a book uh, it's not I uh, published self published my own as well because it was just one of those things I, it took me like three years to write it and I was bound and determined to do something with it when it when it got out mine's a horror novel and uh, every chapter in my book is named after a song as well but not necessarily eighties and nineties related so that's really cool that you said that
3: yeah well it's it just. You know, it just worked. I won't say it worked out that way, but like, it's just amazing how like I chose the song titles and they're not only the song title, but they fit the chapter, you know, like the title, the, the lyrics, it, it, it just all worked out really well. And, and, and that's part of people tell me who read the books, you know, that's part of the fun of it is having those, uh, you know, it's like a mixed, it's like a mixtape, but it's tape. a table of, a table of contents. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, well, like that. that's not the only, you've written a few novels. Um, do you want to tell the folks about some of those and where they can find your stuff?
3: Yeah, real quick. My first novel uh, came out almost 15 years ago, 15 years ago this June. I can't even believe it. It's called Band Fags. And I'm probably not even allowed to say that title anymore because, you know, the world we live in. But uh, it's set in the 80s. It's about two gay boys who meet in seventh grade in 1982, and they become best friends. They're both in band. I don't know about you guys. But in my school, if you were in band, it didn't matter if you were, <laughs> you know, a guy or a girl or gay or straight, um, you were a band fag. Yeah. And you were proud yeah, of it. Pretty much, Except if you were gay, someone called you a band fag all you heard was fag yeah um you know so it was goes from 82 to 88 and it's full of you know pop culture references and there's this guy named john eric hexam who was an actor in the 80s and he was this gorgeous man 26 years old and he got killed on the set of one on his tv show and me and my buddy we were obsessed with him when he died we uh we had a seance because we wanted to see if we could, um, you know, resurrect his spirit. Uh, so, it's, you know, it's just a lot of fun. And like I said, um, all the chapters are song titles, you know. And it's like every author, most every author of fiction, their first novel, semi-autobiographical. I say I changed the names to protect the guilty, um, you know. So we got, we got the beat, Johnny, Are You Queer?, She Bopped. Uh, A very obscure song that only people in Detroit might know. It was called Bless You, Boys. We had the Detroit Tigers won the World Series in 84, and they had this song, Bless You, Boys. Um, You know, Do They Know It's Christmas, Dancing in the Dark, Hot for Teacher. And it goes on and on all the way up to senior year with Dude Looks Like a Lady, Venus, Shake Your Love sign your name so it's fun and it's just a way for me to like relive the past and put my friends characters based on my friends and tell my story it 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 was tough being a gay kid in the 80s and the fact that I had this best friend who was going through the exact same thing I was going through made it a little bit more bearable
2: Pretty cool,
1: and it sounds like you're just
2: from yeah, his. Yeah, your, your books need soundtracks, by the way.
1: Yeah, they do. That's like. <laughs> what so I was just yeah. thinking. Like in listening yeah. to him speak, it's like we have the perfect person on the show. I mean, it sounds yeah. like you you just are yeah. into all the same stuff we're into, which is fantastic. And you mentioned um John John Eric Hexham. He was his. Was it Voyagers? Was that the name of the show that he was on?
3: His first show was Voyagers. It was a time travel show. Yeah, I remember this that. Kid. And that was eighty uh, two. And then in '84, he did this show called Ma- um, "Sorry," Making of a Male Model was the first thing he did. It was a it was a TV movie with Joan Collins where he played a male model. And then he did that was actually, I believe, after Voyagers. And then he did this show called Cover Up, Cover Up, yeah, where he played a detective who was posing as a male model. And unfortunately, they were doing a scene where they had a prop gun and he, you know, messed up a take or whatever and jokingly put the gun to his head like I'm an idiot, pulled the trigger. And even though there wasn't a bullet in it, there was like a paper wadding blank, whatever. Yeah. And it went into his head, and a piece of his skull went into his brain. And I remember this. Yeah. I, I remember <laughs> a little emotional telling you guys. Yeah. But, and it was so sad. 26 years old. And, you know, when I was 14, I thought, 26? That's so old. And <laughs> I think about 26 now. Yeah. And God, you know, man.
1: I, re- I um, recall that happening. I I, re- I yeah. remember this uh, hearing about it and everything. So it was a Brandon Lee type situation. Yeah, it was very tragic.
2: Jeez. So. I'm I'm reading about it right now. Yeah. I was like, jeez, <laughs> that's crazy.
3: Yeah, and you know, and he was really, you know, for a good-looking guy, he was he was, and he sang, and he was he went to Michigan State, he played football, and, and I had a crush. What can I say? It was devastating. <laughs> yeah, and flip. he's and unfortunately, you know, he's kind of forgotten i think yeah, by I think, most people
1: so I, I think so too and that's what i was saying that's why i wanted to bring it up cuz i'm like i remember him i remember voyager uh, voyagers i remember that show pr- fairly well i remember i was into that kind of stuff when i was a kid like anything time traveling and stuff i would have been into.
3: yeah
1: that, so. me too um, really um, time, time after year, time two, and two years. somewhere in time somewhere and, in time mm. so where can folks find your books if they would uh if, oh
3: yeah uh pretty much amazon the uh, lost in the 90s you can pick up the ebook since i published it i have a lot more control you can pick it up for like 2.99 if you're into ebooks but I th- for a while Banfags was out of print um i think they it's now print on demand but i always just say you know go to amazon or barnes and noble because they're old books and that's probably the best place to get it yeah. to get them I do have a new book that's out. Uh, it's called Renovated to Death, but it's nothing to do with the 80s. It's about a gay couple who renovate houses in Metro Detroit, um, which I have a little bit of experience <laughs> with that. So. Uh, and it's what they call a cozy mystery. And I have to say the characters in the book are millennials. And that was a lot harder to write about a character who's <laughs> a millennial for me than you know anything I've written before that. That's fair. I I, I would, think they were, in my mind, they were born in 1986 and 87, these guys. So, I would have a tough time um, with that,
1: too. Yeah. Yeah, that would not be easy. Uh. Well, like I said, I'd I probably be all right. wanted to... Yeah, I'm so young. Shut up, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to have you on, and I wanted to talk about the books, but like I said, I really wanted to um, not just do that. We thought it'd be fun to have you on, and we... um. Reached out to you and I said, What what's a topic you would like to talk about? And you came back with an awesome topic. And I want to let you know what happened when you came back with said topic. So I told the guys, I said, Hey, all right, we're gonna do a new wave mixtape. I need you guys to pull four songs, you know, that you would put on the mixtape, and I promptly get a text from Matt that says, What's new wave? <laughs> yeah,
2: I I I always need to get defined okay. You need to back it up. A little I know, a joke, I'm picking off.
1: I'm picking on <laughs> first you. First off, but-
2: so, we tend to get, uh, we like to say,
1: scolded we get by scolded. Jay occasionally. It was, I um, was scolded by Kevin.
2: Yeah, Jay nice. got scolded. Yeah. So, we did our, our 90s R&B jams. Yes. That was not the original title of the episode, though. No, no. It was R&B Smooth Jams. Yes. And then it became like a matter of phrasing. <laughs> Is it smooth jams or slow jams? So, one person would... would Pick something is like, that's not a smooth jam, not that's a, a slow jam. jam. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, we gotta clarify. So I was like, okay, define new wave because when I searched for new wave, it was such a broad category. And it we're is. getting things like 80s punk and goth, industrial, it was just like it's so much in there. And I kind of myself decided. If it's got a synthesizer, it's probably New Wave. So
1: I just kind of went with that. <laughs> I mean, that's pseudo fair. And it, it kind of worked. New so. Wave was was referring to the New Wave of music that was rolling in in the 80s. Yeah. I often think of a very specific sound when I consider New Wave. I think a lot of people do. And so I just threw some bands out there to give Matt a start. And he's like, okay, okay. Yeah. I was on the right lines. I was like, all right, yeah, I got this. And I, I got to say... Out of all the mixtapes we've put together on the show, there are some that really speak to me. Tonight's is mm. one of those ones that really, really speaks to me, and I had a lot of fun putting this one together. I tell the yeah. guys all the time when they give me their music, um, I I have to put the songs together, create a clip, and then do the show notes. I have to get pull the information, and sometimes it's more fun than others. For example, we did a show that was all about the worst songs from the 90s. That wasn't as much fun for me. Uh, you it was can only, fun for us because we didn't have to do that work. You can only hear it. so much Rico Suave before you, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but tonight's was a lot of fun. So I figured we would, um, both of you gave me your lists, and we're going to start off with my list, uh, and we're going to round things out with, uh, we're going to go to Matt, and then we're going to go to Frank to, to end the show on. And uh, as is always the case, we're going to play a clip of the song. I'm going to give you a little information about the song, and then I'm going to tell you why I chose Said song. So let's start with this one right here. But
2: you know that there's nowhere that I'd rather be than with you here today. Oh, 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 oh,
1: oh, Hold me now. oh, 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 uh, so I started off with the uh, the Thompson Twins, Hold Me Now. Uh, this song was released in November 1983 as the first single from their fourth studio album, Into the Gap. It became the band's highest charting single in the U.S., peaking at number three on the Billboard Hot 100 in May of that year. Remaining on the chart for 21 weeks. In addition, the song topped Billboard's Hot Dance Club par- uh, play chart for one week in April of 1984. Uh, and this is what the band had to say about the song. Emotionally, it was written as the result of some argument that was resolved between Alana and myself, meaning fellow uh, band member uh, Alana Curry. Uh, We actually decided, well, this is an interesting emotional subject, what it feels like to get back together again after separation and the kind of ideas that come up and the way that emotion and physically somehow we brought together. Um I remember buying one of those. Uh, do you guys remember those like compilation cassette tapes you could get all throughout like the oh, late yeah. '80s? It would have all these different songs on them. Um, yeah.
3: Oh, I remember albums like that in the yeah. very early '80s. Well, I re- they were on KTEL Records. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the same and kind. And they were of- called things like Heat Wave and Starburst <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and well, it's Shockwave. <laughs> funny
1: that you should mention that because I bought a cassette called. 80s leather and lace, <laughs> and this song was I on it. I think I remember the uh, the TV ad for that one. Yeah, uh, this was one of the tracks. A lot of Vaseline on the lens. I fell in love with this song. I know. I remember um, my mom was a big Thompson Twins fan, so I remember uh, listening to them and not really paying much attention. And then I bought that cassette, and this song was on it. And I was like, "All right, now I am also a fan of the Thompson Twins." So uh, it kind of had oh. to go on my list.
3: Oh. Real quick, I don't want to hijack the show, but since I am the special guest, um, <laughs> I just want to. I want to preface this by saying, like, the reason I chose new wave. Like, if someone says to me 80s music," I automatically think yep. new wave. And yep. even though I know there's like, you know, Bon Jovi, and I don't know, like, I, I want to use the word heavy metal, um, yep. and there's you know, Poison, and all those other bands.
2: A lot, a lot of. Hair I won't say like
3: it's not it's not '80s music if it's not new wave, but for me, you know, starting in the early '80s in junior high, MTV, the first songs I heard were like Thompson Twins and and Wham and you know, like new wave, and yes. I really liked it. But then all of a sudden, I noticed that the people around me who were listening to new wave were, I'll just say, weird. And I didn't want to be weird. And as a little gay boy, I didn't want to be like anyone giving me more shit than they already were. So I kind of turned my back on new wave for a little while. Uh, And I had like this Debbie Gibson, Whitney Houston period um, in her later 80s. But as I got older and, you know, I met my partner in 89 and he was a big new waver, like big hair. Uh, and he knew, you know, the Smiths and every all, and mm. Joy Division and all these obscure bands I never even heard of. And so now, in retrospect, like in my mind's eye, I was a cool '80s new waver, even though you know I really wasn't. Um, I but, but it's just <laughs> you know that's what that. <laughs> I, that's what I go to. And in New York, I lived in New York for many years, and there was this club called the Pyramid. And on Friday nights, they had this party that they called 1984. And it was just all new wave music. Uh, and I actually had my book party there. And I took a DVD that I burned off of, I don't I, I bought it on some eBay or whatever, of the making of a male model starring John Eric Hexham. <laughs> and they had like a little video room in the basement and they played it on a loop. And, but it was all like that music. And like Duran Duran, I know we're going to get to Duran Duran. Only girls like Duran Duran, so I didn't want to be, as a little gay boy, you know, admitting that I might like Duran Duran. So I was really in, like, new wave denial, but then, you know, I had a friend who would come over, and we'd just put MTV on MTV on, on a loop, and it was, you know, Billy Idol and Men Without Hats and Berlin and all these... And I was like, ah, "Why do I like this music? What is wrong with me?" <laughs> nothing, nothing <laughs> no, was wrong. With nothing, you. absolutely nothing. And wrong. maybe yeah. it was so
1: just—I think I'm a, I think I'm a few years behind you. And I, maybe I was just young enough that I didn't care. Like I just knew that this stuff was fun for me.
3: George, oh my god, I have to tell you a story about Boy George, you guys. And I put it in my book. Seventh grade, where um, me, my buddy, my gay buddy, and my and our straight friend. We're hanging out, and our straight friend. His name is Matt. He says, "Hey, you guys, you guys, that chick from Culture Club is such a babe." <laughs> Matt,
1: that's
2: yeah. His name
3: is Boy George. It's may have been handsome here, you know. That's <laughs> yeah, so his name is Boy George because he's a boy because he's a boy. <laughs> and then that was that was like early Boy George. He wasn't even pretty yet. <laughs> Um, but you know, I was just, and, and, and I remember I got this gift card. We had this gift gift card, gift certificate. We had this local record store in the Detroit area that I think went sort of nationwide later called Harmony House. Um, and I got this gift, $5 gift certificate. And I went up to Harmony House and I bought like 1045 records Wow, and like Valley Girl by, um, Moon Unit Zappa Remember, the sales clerk just Those looked at me like, like, what the hell? What the hell? And then I sent my mom up there for Christmas to get me a Culture Club album, and she the clerk was like, are you going to let your child listen to this music? Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. so Man. Uh, I mean, yeah. some suburbs.
1: Of, some of the later stuff aside, uh, boy, George is an incredibly talented musician. I mean, what an incredible voice. So, screw that, dude. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah I think that's, I, anyway. think that's I, didn't know, I think that's pretty cool um like I said, maybe for me it was just that I was younger and like I didn't really care like I didn't really think about it in any way of well, no one's ever really I've never Malcolm really,
3: them seagulls that hair <laughs> I mean, come on <laughs> so weird well, those people I've never mean, really, they may
2: be on the list coming up <laughs> I remember telling uh maybe.
3: I remember telling On's a new waiver.
1: One of the uh, one of I had the so many closets. One of the occasional co-hosts on the show, Stewie. I remember telling him years ago, like I, in high school, like all his buddies were listening to a certain type of music, so that's what he listened to. I remember him telling me, like, uh, well, I, I like Madonna, but I'm like, then screw it, then listen to Madonna if that's what you freaking like. Why should you like not listen to what you want to listen to? And to me, it just seemed stupid. Like yeah. I'm I'm gonna listen to what I like to listen to, and uh, much like yourself, I love. Uh, pretty much every song on the list tonight, I'm a huge yeah. fan of. So this was, like- but
3: that's also one last thing, and then I'll let you get back <laughs> to list. That's also the thing too. When you're in high school, Bon Jovi, you know, came like '86 or '87, and they wanted my class song to be "Living on a Prayer" <laughs> or whatever one is. You lost that in my backseat, baby, and I was like, "Hell no, we are not." And like it's burnout music, it's, um- and you. You don't allow yourself to just enjoy it for what it is. You have to put it in that box, and you—and that's what sucks about being a teenager. And I hope kids today don't do that because it's, yeah. it's bad.
1: By the it's way, bad. that song was "Never Say Goodbye."
3: Okay, that makes it from the perfect <laughs> sense for a class for a senior class song. Yeah. Never say goodbye.
1: I—I uh, right. I mean, I love. Don't get me wrong, I, I love 80s Bon Jovi and all the hair metal and all that. I I kind of grew up in a unique time time period where my parents were doing classic rock bands. So I and my mom was a huge Beatles fan, so I grew up with all the 50s and the 60s and the 70s stuff from from, you know, from them and then I was a kid during the 80s and the 90s I was a teenager. So like I just got this wide scope of music and I felt I've always felt very lucky because of it so hey, it all works for me yeah um yeah so, so gonna, all right back gonna, to the list <laughs> I'm gonna hit you with my second song on the list tonight this was hey, a another, we're all about tangents. yeah but don't t- don't worry t- about it. that's that's what we do <laughs> yeah that's
2: which a uh, side note uh Jay See? can attest to this <laughs> when it comes to like music that people should be embarrassed by I'm the king of that uh, I I will die on this hill uh, there's a couple hills I'll probably die on but Lisa lobe Lisa
1: lobe Oh my it. god. Oh yeah.
2: Dude, Wilson Phillips? Oh now, yeah. If, if you if you see me, I I do not look like a Lisa Loeb or Wilson Phillips fan at all. Very true. Yet. I, I may My sister, she's uh,
3: class of 92 and she was big into Wilson Phillips and she listened to it and she had a room in the basement yeah. and we had a milk, uh, we had a milk, not a shoot. We had a clothes shoot in our bathroom that went down to the basement and I would put my ear to the clothes <laughs> shoot and, and secretly listen to Wilson Phillips. Cause oh, yeah. again, I, w- I was a closet Wilson Phillips fan.
2: Hey, I had a, I had a single mom in the eighties. So I got to listen to a lot of like music that she was listening to. And, uh, so yeah, salt and pepper was on repeat all the time and you know, Again, Wilson Phillips and all that. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's just what you absorb and, you know, you like what you like. And I I will literally put Spotify on and Slayer will come on. And then the next song is Lisa Loeb. And I'm just I'm rocking out to both songs. <laughs> so one nice. right or the other. Yeah, it's as it should yeah. be. Yeah. What it's called
1: you, a playlist or a mixtape for a reason. Know, do you know what song I like?
2: for it <laughs> i'll get it back there somehow i, I was going to say here wait, is was, the next oh, song i see what he's doing Here's the Go next ahead. song on my <laughs> list
1: i
3: hear the talking of the
0: deep. oh can nice. i say
3: just what does
0: he say i'm on a
1: Mexican Radio, Wall of Voodoo, uh, initially released on their 82 album, Call of the West. Uh, The video for this single was regularly featured on MTV in the U.S., uh, which, as we've talked about many times on this show, MTV helped propel a song, which is why we miss the real MTV. Uh, The song peaked in the U.S. at number 55 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Uh, The lyrics describe listening to the broadcast of high-wattage, unregulated Mexican radio stations known as Border Blasters, whose AM broadcasts are strong enough to be picked up by any radio receiver in the U.S. The song was inspired by car trips taken by the band, uh, by band frontman Stan Ridgway and guitarist Mark Moreland. On their way to rehearsals, the song gained cult status and was often played on radio stations featuring punk, new wave, things along those lines. Being the only single by Wall of Voodoo to reach the top 100 in the U.S., it is considered a one-hit wonder. So Ridgway left Wall of Voodoo. Well, I'm
3: glad you picked that one. Oh, because I love this song that would so have much. been one of my choices because. I was trying to be all, like, cool when you asked me to do this and be like, I'm going to pick songs from one specific year based on the video. And that was a song that I definitely remember the video. And the image that comes to me the most is the guy's face coming out of what I want to say were beans or something in his face. I think it's...
1: Yes, it's a face in the middle of like beans, like refried beans, yes. They're
3: not refried beans, but they're beans, and that's just like that. And the guy, the singer, always reminded me of the guy, Square Pegs. my (laughs) mind, when I think of that guy, I think of the one kid from Square Pegs. Not Johnny, but the the dark haired other one. I don't know his name. But which I by the Googling way right now I got
2: to see this. <laughs> which
3: which by the way I uh got the Square Pegs DVD. I'll call it a box set. It's one season. Right. So bad. <laughs> oh, it is not good.
1: <laughs> I remember it being pretty bad. I I did not I remember my sister watching Square Pegs a lot. Um not I did not, but I recall her watching it. So I would have swore it lasted more than one season in my mind.
3: It yeah. did, but uh, no. Obviously it did not. My friend who loved my friend who thought Boy George was hot, it was a show that he and I would watch and we talk about it on I wanna say it was on Sundays and we talk about it on Mondays and then I was just like, that Johnny is weird. So
1: talking, anyway. We were talking you said, you know, you wanted to put your list together and you haven't so what we talk about here all the time, so we have to tone it down, obviously we can't bring all the songs we want. Is that did you start with a bigger list and then just sort of work your way down and nope. cut things out, and move things around?
3: Well, I did pick songs that that based on the, a memorable, memorable video. And I'm hoping at some point I can actually tell you what like my favorite songs really were. Because um, I have favorite songs. I don't know if I have reasons why. I think the most reasons why are because of the time in my life I was living sure. when I was listening to that song. Uh, so hopefully you might you guys might bring some of those up and I'll tell you. But the ones I did pick, I went off of like, which songs did I did I, do I remember the videos being impactful?
1: Well, I'm curious to see what you think of the next two on my list then. Yeah. Um, so the next one, again, what will happen is the guys will give me their lists, and I actually waited to get your list to make sure that we don't have any repeats. But uh, Matt gave me his, but I already had mine. So Matt knows this song is on mine because I told him he couldn't have it. Uh, yeah. Because this is the next song on my list, and it was mine. I just want- Love My Way by the Psychedelic Furs, released in July of '82, first single from their third album Forever Now, written by the four members of the group and produced by Todd Rundgren. Yes, that Todd Rundgren, uh, hmm. who also played on the song. Uh, Richard Butler, the first frontman, said in an interview he had written this for a specific group of people. In 1983, uh, in a 1983 article in Cream. He stated, it's basically addressed to people who are fucked up about their sexuality and says, don't worry about it. It was originally written for gay people. Uh, The song hit number 44 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, number 30 on the U.S. Mainstream Rock Chart, and number 40 in the Dance Music Club Play Singles Chart. That is a mouthful right there. What's funny about this, though, is he he announced that, he said that, uh, like I said in Cream Magazine later, but at first, they he, from what I've read, there was probably a lot of pressure not to let it be known what he was singing about. Um, I'm a huge fan of not only the Psychedelic First, but the band he would form after, Love Spit Love. So I pretty much eat up anything that they do. So, huge fan. So, Love My Way ended up on my list. Matt tried to put it on his. I wouldn't let him have it. This was my song. (laughs) Matt said he didn't care as long as it made it on the list somewhere. So Yeah, I was good with
3: it. (laughs) Well, I will say, say I love Psychedelic Furs, but I will say again, I was a poser. I was a poser. I knew Pretty in Pink, (laughs) uh, my favorite movie of all time, Pretty in Pink, and I have a little humble brag I want to sneak in if I may. But um, I remember I got a psychedelic first cassette for like, you know, two bucks in a sale bin. And I don't remember which one it was off the top of my head. But I just like, I just didn't like it. It was not pretty and pink. And yeah. I don't know, I was just into pretty and pink. But I will say my favorite Psychedelic first song is The Ghost in You. Ghost in You. It's a fantastic um, song. Yeah. And I saw them, him, however you want to put it, a couple years ago here in Detroit, and he put on an amazing show. Uh, and that's the sound, that voice. Yes. That eighty sax. I always call it the eighty sax. Um, something about that voice. Uh, I remember I was a poser. We went to Cedar Point. You guys should... you <laughs>
1: No Cedar Point. I know Cedar Point. I do, yes. Yeah.
3: And on the way down, I, I listened to this Psychedelic Furs cassette and I was just like, nope. And then I had an OMD cassette and I was like, nope. If it's not on the Pretty and Pink soundtrack, <laughs> I wasn't into it.
1: We actually just talked about the Pretty and Pink soundtrack <laughs> uh, recently in our was it our 80s prom episode. The 80s prom episode. Yeah. yeah. So that.
3: Goes- oh, man. I wish I would have been.
1: A- so I'm going to. I have one more to finish out my list. And you mentioned this band. So I'm hoping that you like this band and I'm hoping that you like this song. <laughs> So everybody knows Men Without Hats, but does everybody know who pop goes the world? I don't know, but I love this song. This was released in October 1987, lead single from their third studio album of the same name. Reached number one in Austria, number two in Canada, and number three in South Africa. Hit number 20 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and 27 on the Hot Dance Club charts. I remember the song fondly from the 87 movie Date with an Angel. Uh, but I just really like this song. Everyone knows Safety Dance, and and that's a great song. But this has always been my favorite Men Without Hat song. It always has. I I think it gets neglected sometimes. People forget that they had other stuff than the Safety Dance. So that's why I put it on my
3: list. So, yeah, I do like that song, and it probably is my favorite of, of the two that I know. Uh, and you're right, I did forget about it. But I almost did pick Safety Dance based on that video, because I just remember that video at that like Ren Fair and the guy with the <laughs> hair and the, and the little person and yeah, running um, through. And that was another one where I was like, am I a freak for liking this music? <laughs> Cause I did. Maybe. I mean,
1: you're talking to people on this side. Like, so I, I've, I love everything. I really do. But my favorite stuff, like I love like Devo and the, yeah. the more obscure sometimes the better for me. Um, I, I like a little mainstream in there. I don't go so far off track that nobody's ever heard of the band. Well, sometimes I do, I guess. That's not fair to say. But I like these guys that are a little more experimental or do things that, that don't sound so much like the norm. So eh, yeah, if being weird's bad, then I don't, I don't want to be good, I guess, right? Cause,
3: <laughs> no, it's true. It's I like true. being weird. I always said I just want to be normal, and normal is stupid.
1: Yeah, I'm not yes. really into normal. Very true. <laughs> My wife will tell you, is no, normal is no fun. That's how we met. We're not normal people. Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to go into Matt's list. Um, Matt, I like your list a lot. Um, you started well, off. Thank you. You started off with a, an interesting song, um, yeah. and I'm going to do what you know. I'm going to play it, and then you're going to tell us why you picked it. So here is Matt's first song. Blue Monday, New Order, uh, released as a 12-inch single in March of 1983. Um, Also, it showed up on a certain cassette and CD version of their second album. (laughs) Is everyone okay? Oh my god,
3: it's my Jack Russell. He wants to go out, he's 22 pounds. But when I go out at this time of night, it's time to attack Daddy Frank's feet. I had a Jack Russell for
1: 13 years. I had a Jack Russell Shakespeare. He was, I loved that dog to pieces. He was the best.
3: He's the Gemini, and he's like, we call him. You know, he's got two personalities, and w- one of them is Tenacious Jay, and that's who comes out at this time of day. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's all right. I got lucky with totally mine. um
1: Shakespeare was actually a lot of Jack Russell's are hyper. He was actually really mellow and lazy, but he loved everyone. Yeah,
3: Jack is usually that he has the one side where he, he was just when we started sitting on my lap just with his head <laughs> on my arm, and then all of a sudden he's like. Rears back and the tail wags and he barks and then he wants to go out and attack my feet. <laughs> just, yeah, I just that's wanted to make sure that you, that you were
1: – everyone yeah, was okay and still alive.
3: <laughs>
2: uh, uh, yeah. So no, this song – Not the strangest thing that's ever Blue Monday. Show, yeah, <laughs>
1: Blue Monday was uh, originally only released as a 12-inch single. And then they later like ended up putting on a cassette and CD um, – d- well, one version of their second album. So it's not on all of them. Uh, their second album was called Power, Corruption, and Lies. What's really cool, though, Matt, I don't know if you know this, but the 12-inch single of this on vinyl, the package was designed to look like a floppy disk. And no, it looks awesome. And because of that, this was like, well, that and the song. This was the best-selling 12-inch single of all time. So really? The, yeah. The band stated that the song was written in response to crowd disappointment at the fact that they never played encores. So they... They The song was planned to allow them to to return to the stage, hit play on the synthesizer, and walk off the stage. But while they actually started writing the song, it evolved into this bigger project that they actually really got into. And so it has become their encore song, but for completely different reasons. Uh, this landed at number five on the U.S. Billboard Hot Dance Club party chart. Um, and then they released an 88 version as well that also landed at 68 on the Hot 100 and number one on the Hot Dance Club. I will also say that out of all the songs on all of our list tonight, this is the one that's probably been remade the most. You yes. hear this song sampled and remade all the time. So
2: yeah, and this is actually how I first discovered this song was actually a cover version of it. Oh, so.
3: and who was so, it by? Uh,
2: uh, the cover version I heard was by the band Orgy.
3: Yeah, I remember they, they were big in
2: yeah. uh, in the new metal era. Yeah. Uh, family Values tour, which I'm sure will be brought up at some point in time on on the show, um, but they they did like more of a, a new metal version of it, but kept it pretty true to the original. Yeah, I, re- I recall it. Shaved off like a, a couple minutes at the beginning of it to make yeah. it radio friendly, because um, this is a seven minute long song. Yes, it
1: is. It's a long song.
2: <laughs> it is intense, but uh, yeah, I I've loved this song. I I found that cover version really got into that. And then I was like, "Wait, this is a cover. I got to check this out." And then I went back and discovered New Order, and just you know, both of them are in you know fairly frequent rotation on my on my you know shuffle. It just pops up all the time. So,
3: fair, fair. well, I will say that New Order is probably one of my favorite bands. But again, I was a poser. I only knew Shell Shock from the Pretty in Pink soundtrack. And I later learned that there's a song, you guys might know this. There's an instrumental song in a scene, a very dramatic scene in the movie. Uh, it's New Order, Allegia. And it's just the beginning of that song, but it's totally instrumental. And like I said, my partner Craig, big new waver, had all the New Order. And he really turned me on to them when I met him. And uh, I've never seen them, and I always say, God, I would really love to see New Order. And he's like, they're so boring; they just stand there. But they are, they are my, one of my favorites. Um, and I'll get to my favorite at some point. But they are one of my favorites, and that's a great. You know, it's that's I, a great song. See,
1: you get me off on tangents too, and I can't help it because you say stuff, it makes me think of stuff. Uh, you said that like there's a scene in the movie where it's just the instrumental part, and you kind of fell in love with it based off that. I always was that way about the Smiths, um, please, please, please let me from... Because it's in... Uh, speaking of John Hughes, it's in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's the uh, the scene where they're in the... Uh, da, 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 looking at the artwork, and it's it's playing that instrumental okay. bit. And it was the same deal. I always kind of loved that, and I had to go out and figure out what it was. And uh,
3: Well, know. it's also on the Pretty in Pink soundtrack. And off the top of my head, I can't remember where it is in the movie i feel like i'm picturing ducky like you know being devastated and depressed (laughs) and um but it very well could be not in the movie but he just put it on the soundtrack because i don't believe there i don't believe there's a ferris bueller soundtrack is there
1: uh not that i'm aware i don't know
3: i just know yeah yeah so he might have just slipped it in there, um, there might yeah, be that is a score. good one.
1: We'll have to check on that because I'm not sure.
3: A minute and 52 seconds, and it, but you know, got gut-wrenching.
1: Matt's next song is uh, yeah. one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, my wife was shocked I didn't put any on here, and I will explain why I didn't after we play the clip, but this is Matt's next song.
0: <laughs> you may ask yourself...
1: Obviously, Once in a Lifetime by the Talking Heads. uh, One of my favorite songs of all time. Thank you, Matt. uh, Released in November 1980 as the lead single from their fourth studio album, Remain in the Light. Uh, Brian Eno and the Talking Heads developed Once in a Lifetime through multiple jam sessions. Uh, David Byrne's vocals were inspired by Preachers, and the lyrics address Existential Crisis and the Unconscious. Uh, The music video directed by uh, Tony Basil, as it were, and David Byrne, featured David Byrne dancing erratically over footage of religious rituals. And according to Tony Basil, uh, David kind of choreographed himself. I set up the camera, put him in front of it, and asked him to absorb those ideas. Then I left the room so he could be alone with himself. I came back, looked at the videotape, and we chose physical moves that work with the music. I just helped to it's stylize like, his This moves.
2: is unusable footage. What um, are you doing, David Byrne?
1: song was certified gold in the UK, and the older I get, the more this song hits home for me. Uh, I'll ask you why you chose it, Matt, but I'll tell you why I didn't choose any Talking Heads. I know they are New Wave, but in my head, they're not New Wave. They're more um, like alternative than I really feel New Wave. So I didn't go with them, but you know I love them. Uh, We've talked about it on the show. My my wedding song was a Talking Heads song, and uh, I have... (laughs) Dave, I You know, multiple Talking Heads album covers throughout my house. Why did you choose this song, Matt?
2: This is actually another one that, uh, and, and this was not actually planned when I'm telling you this. This is another song I actually kind of discovered a cover version first. I have a cover of Once in a Lifetime by a band called Blenderhead that, that actually came out, and I'm looking it up. It's 1995. Um, so I actually heard this mid-90s and was like, wow, this is really this is an interesting song went back discovered talking heads and was like oh wait i already like this band i just had never heard once in a lifetime at that point in time so that kind of uh, became some of my like formative like music discovery times of just like because i I grew up listening to things that my parents listened to my grandparents listened to just like most people do and then you start kind of branching off and finding your own musical tastes and um that's just kind of what i did and uh Blenderhead was in my christian rock era of uh of music it's yeah i get so much. i get so much shit for that if yeah. you know if you know me if you, you know, know man we're,
1: we're both a little um yeah yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> and Anti- not, not so much not uh well uh, no, back oh, in the that, day that's the thing i actually i was You know, not unlike what you were saying, of like, I can't like this thing because, you know, that's what all the other Christians will want to listen to. I'm going to go, you know, Christian punk, Christian metal, but not Christian hair metal. That's weird. So, yeah. And Jay Jay and I have actually gotten into this conversation several times. I would find the Christian version of fill in the blank band. And then that's. (laughs) That's what I would end up doing. That's what he would so, listen
1: to. Yeah. It's
2: a weird. Well, a it
3: wasn't Christian Rock, version. but I had an Amy Grant and a Michael W. Smith thing.
1: Oh, man.
3: <laughs> okay. No, so did yeah. I. Yeah. Michael get, W.
1: Smith thing might have existed in the world. Yeah. And then
2: it's a, yeah, it's a slippery slope, yeah. and then eventually you you discover, um, oh, my God. Let's <laughs> see. Uh, Living Sacrifice, that's a that's a, a fairly well-known Christian uh, heavy metal band that is along the lines of Slayer, but Christian. So,
1: yeah, you, you start
2: with the Amy Grants and then...
1: Matt and I have, like, have oh similar God. upbringings and yeah, backgrounds, yeah. so we can talk about this stuff all day. We're not religious people at all now. <laughs> so it's really no, weird. Me neither. We'll get yeah. into
2: it on another episode. Yeah. This is... Uh, this is <laughs> Uh, this is a very
1: deep yeah it can get very deep with us but but we can talk about it all day because we had that kind of upbringing where we were around it a lot but uh i have to ask frank i have to ask your opinion on this so uh like i said i'm a huge talking heads fan and i know that if you look up new wave and new wave playlists that that talking heads are on a lot of playlists how do you feel about do you feel like they're what you would consider new wave
3: well, here's the thing. I have two things to say about talking heads, but I'll, I'll try to, you know, not talk too long. Uh, I didn't like him. It was like the video would come on and I would always like groan and turn it off. And something, I think the reason why was because he looked old to me. And I just looked him up. <laughs> He's the same age as my dad. But here's the thing. My dad was 18 when I was born. My dad was born in 1952. He's, he was so around, you know, he was in his 30s. I won't necessarily say I looked at David Byrne and I was like, he looks like my dad, but there was something about him where he was just old. And so I didn't like him. I like him now. I appreciate him now. But back to about the genre, when I was picking songs, I was like, well, I really like violent films. Are they new wave? They must be because my friends listen to them. Then I looked them up. They were too early. They were late seventies. They were like American folk punk. It was like, oh man, no violent films. Then I like looked up some other bands, and I'm like, can they be new wave if they're not British? But I guess they, you know, like Berlin. She, I think, you know, she was from LA or somewhere. You, definitely United States. But they're considered on this list. I found new wave. So for me, like new wave is eighties. I always thought new wave had to be British or you know foreign. But I guess. It doesn't. I just don't know who decides. I,
1: I I just always kind of thought of the Talking Heads as sort of because
3: like, isn't the new wave the new wave of the British invasion? So I don't know how who who made it who decided. I'm not who sure. who decides. That's the. Good I mean,
1: there's
2: also the new wave of British heavy metal as well.
3: I guess um, I I, with your I think one of my choices that. is an American band, and but I looked and they were on a new wave list, so I picked them.
1: I just always felt like they were more um, – and like I said, wh- you know, they're in my top five favorite bands of all time. I love the Talking Heads. But I always saw them as more of like like the intro into alternative, like this was early alternative music kind of stuff. But that's yeah. just me. I love yeah. – I'm, I'm very happy that the song's on the list. Um, like I said, it's one of my favorite songs, and it means more and more to me the older I get. <laughs> so, yeah,
3: like- I just feel like, I, like in college I was alternative, but I didn't feel like – Alternative, the word even existed, you know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Maybe I just yes. didn't know it,
1: and that's what I mean. I kind of considered. Well, there was some late, there was some late eighties alt rock that was going on, but that's what I mean. I kind of considered them like pre-alternative, like they were the thing <coughs> that came before. That kind of, I don't know. That's just where my brain goes.
3: Grunge. That grunge a, came and and changed it all. Yes, it
1: did. Yeah,
3: that's the nineties. <laughs> we'll do that show another
1: time. Um. But Matt's going to bring it back around, I think, and get us all on the same page again with his next song. Uh, I adore this song. I, I, I suspect you will like this song as well.
3: We don't
1: Uh, when in Rome, The Promise. This is uh, one of those songs that uh, I've bonded with many people over. Me and Matt, we both love the song. My wife and I both adore this song. This is the debut single by Win in Rome, uh, first released in 1987 as the lead single from their their self-titled debut album. Uh, Released in the U.S. in 1988, reached number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. It's their biggest commercial hit. Um, We talked about this a long time ago, this song. But the band worked on their songs in a small garden shed that they turned into a studio in the backyard of singer Clive Farrington's dad's house. The space was so small, they had to actually attach the keyboard vertically to the wall. And uh, Michael, I can never say his name, Florial believes the lyrics were inspired by a recent breakup by Clive that Clive had gone through. Um, and this song took him two days, two days to, to, to complete recording. So, Matt, why yes. did you choose The Promise? Uh, I'm, I'm realizing
2: now that I've discovered a lot of these songs well after they were released. And uh, this one is thanks to its appearance in Napoleon Dynamite. There you go. Uh, I heard this song pop up on the soundtrack and immediately was like, okay, this, and it fits the scene that it shows up in, in Napoleon Dynamite so well. Uh, It's a scene right at the very end of the movie, like right before the credits roll Um, Napoleon Dynamite and uh, not her name's not Tina, but the actress is Tina Margarino. Um, They're playing tetherball and it's just like such an innocent, wholesome moment in the movie where they're just like, you know, Hey, we're friends, we're hanging out. And it's just like that song kicks in and just the little, you know, keyboard part comes in. It's just, it's just the perfect way to cap off that movie. Um, For the record, I love Napoleon Dynamite. It is up there in one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, You can watch it on repeat and notice so many things happening in it that you just don't notice the first time. Um, But yeah, I mean, that. That song is to me forever associated with that scene in Napoleon Dynamite, and uh, yeah, it's it very quickly made its way onto you know a, a liked songs playlist on my, on my phone. So, Fair yeah.
1: enough. Yeah.
2: Um,
3: well, I love that song. Nothing too deep, really. I will <laughs> say I love that song. I did not know that song in the eighties. And I can't believe I forgot to mention this, but my book, Band started as a play. I was in New York. I was an actor. I was with a theater company. We, would start, we decided we were going to write our own plays. And I wanted to write a play about, like, as an actor, as a closeted gay actor in the 90s, I couldn't find roles to audition for. So I wanted to write a play that would be like, this would be the perfect play for me to be in. So I wrote a play about my gay best friend and I growing up. And every scene, I used a song either as the starting music for the scene or the ending music. And the very last scene, they have this thing where they pinky swear and they say, we'll be best friends forever. And the one guy says, promise. And he says, I promise. And then, and I found that song and I was like, this is the perfect song about promising your eternal friendship or love or whatever to someone. And it's been my favorite ever since, yeah. even though I didn't find it till two thousand, two thousand one. And I will say that I relatively recently listened to the entire album on Spotify and I thought it was an amazing album. Yeah. So many good songs. I can't tell you what any of them are right now or what they sounded like, but I just remember thinking like, why didn't these guys have a bigger career?
1: So because we bring we this up a lot. It's good. We think there there are a lot of bands. We talk about that we're pseudo one-hit wonders in the states, but we're a lot bigger overseas. Uh, we're going to do a whole show on it at some point. Just bands that were that hit bigger overseas, but then had a hit here. Um, this song just this song makes me happy. I'm I'm kind of like it's one of those cool things where you said you didn't know about it till later, but it's kind of cool that you still get to go back. Your your knowledge of '80s music seems to be pretty varied and pretty wide. But you still got to discover something, which is really kind of cool. It's exciting when when that happens.
3: Yeah, and I honestly, that was 20 years ago. I can't remember how I found it, but when I found it, I was like, this is the song for the closing of the play. Yeah, it's... it's, And it's so spot on. You know, it's like, could it be any more on the nose? But like I said, those songs, those song titles, those song lyrics, they just fit. And that's what we do as kids. Like you listen to the song and you're like, Oh my God, I love this girl. I love this boy. And this song says all the reasons why. And you just, it's your, it's the song. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you put it on, you cry, you, you know, whatever. Uh, Every couple has a song, you know, and it's, that's, that's music. And for, I'm sure for you guys, all you have to do is put on a certain song and it's like 1982 all oh, over absolutely. again or i was in 7th grade you feel Nin- it you 1999
2: know. i'm getting broken up with by a girl while little Vita loca plays
3: <laughs> yes
2: that's a thing that happened. Uh, when I, I
3: would, yeah, we've so, talked about I <laughs> was in a gay bar with the first time I saw Living La Vida Loca, and the <laughs> video came on, and I was like, Who is that? It's the guy from Menudo? Oh, God. What <laughs> we is just, the world coming to? We
1: give Matt so much shit because he got broke up while it was playing in the background, and we just say now he walks around just weeping, going,
3: uh, and pull me down. <laughs> Oh my! But God. But isn't it true? Like you put the song on, and it just yes, and and it's never like now today. The song reminds me of this day. Oh, I'm listening to it on a different day, and now I'm thinking yep. of another day. It's usually the, a very specific, yep. moment. yes, very
2: very specific moment. Yep. That's what makes music so and,
3: great. And and that's why um, this sounds crass, or, or I don't know, whatever. it's But could you imagine if you're if you're deaf and you don't get to hear music? That like, yeah i'm sure you know smells I, or whatever but music man yeah i actually uh i'll you know side
2: tangent real quick uh, my stepdad is actually deaf and uh he's he got cochlear implants a few years back and being in a very musical family that's just something that he i mean he himself you know played guitar and everything growing up but he actually lost his hearing uh i think around 15 or so when he was when he was about 15 years old so he he heard for a while and then it just all went away.
1: Oh man! Um, mm.
2: And that would you know, like eventually, you know, like I said, over time, he eventually was able to get you know hearing aids and cochlear implants and everything. And that that is one of the coolest things. I mean, if you ever need like a a, a pick me up, get on YouTube and look at videos of people getting their cochlear yeah, implants kids, turned on for the first that's time. Crazy little kids, adults, yeah. whatever. And then like like a mother hearing her child say,
3: "Is gosh, that where the they put it time, in your head?" Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, buddy, Matt, the, the boy, George mm -hmm. lover, his older brother was deaf and, and then I saw him a couple years ago and he has, he has one now.
2: Yeah. We got to, we got to experience that firsthand when he heard, you know, my nephew say grandpa to him the first time and it was, it was pretty great. But, uh, yeah, I mean like now he's able to hear more. I mean, it's not perfect. He, he was one of the early, you know, cochlear implants, but. But yeah, he, he was able to hear like, you know, his son playing music on, on his guitar that he actually was handed down from, from him. Uh, so it's, it's, it is pretty, you know, it's pretty crazy what, what music can do for you, especially yeah. if you it's- haven't had the ability to hear it for that long. And then it just, you know, one day it just literally is turned on like a switch. So,
3: yeah. Yeah. I always say it's like the closest thing to time travel music.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it That and smells like just taking you back. To, yeah. to
1: something else. Like, and you know, combine the two. Not always good smell, but, you know. <laughs> combine the two sometimes. But you're not yeah. wrong. I can think of times where, like, I'll hear, I'll hear a very specific song, and I could name two or three right now takes me back to 1986 at the roller skating rink, you know, where I met my first girlfriend. Like, I can very I, – I know, like, what song – um, We were listening to like the first time we met, just weird stuff like that. It takes you back. So it, it's, I like the, yeah.
3: Year. And don't you like, and you know the year, like you said, yes. uh, yeah. Thompson Twins. And in my mind, I said 82, 83, but I think that was a later song. But you usually know the year. And now, if somebody says, like, oh, remember Beyonce's blah, blah, blah i'm like ah, i kind of remember what i was doing but i can't tell you what year it was because i was in my 30s and i didn't give a shit <laughs> you know but being a teenager 10th grade that was 11th grade that song may have yep. come out in eighth grade but i remember listening to it in ninth you know and you just yeah. i was friends with this person i liked this person this person didn't like me you know and I, I was in this class
1: I don't want to sound like the old man either and I'm sure I'm going to and and I have two kids, um 19 year old and 17 year old now. And I know like my nephew is a little bit younger and he's really into music and stuff, but I don't feel like they have the same like we had almost soundtracks. Like all the music was a soundtrack to our lives growing up and I don't yeah. feel like it's quite like that anymore. Like music played a very important role in almost everything we did. Throughout life, so I because
3: know, we had MTV that showed videos, showed music
1: yeah. videos, yeah, you know, wonderful.
3: I watched, now. I watch RuPaul's Drag Race on MTV. Don't get me wrong; I love RuPaul's Drag Race, but why is it RuPaul's Drag Race and then this dating show and this island show? Yeah. there is yeah. no music on music television. Yeah, no.
1: Yeah.
2: I actually get off know my lawn. The I actually know two of the competitors from RuPaul's Drag Race. So, Current humble ones? brag, humble brag, right there, brag.
3: Current ones.
2: Uh, fairly recent, um, widow von Du and, mm. uh, Monique Hart,
3: mm-hmm. both, from, uh, nice. both from
2: Kansas city. And yeah, they were, they're local before they went on to RuPaul's drag race and then bigger and better things. So
3: nice. We haven't had a single one from Detroit, but we won't go on to that. Topic right <laughs> right. <laughs> All right.
0: Eventually. So did I even say Actually. I was
3: in Detroit? I don't know if I even told you or your listeners that I'm in. I think you Detroit and I Detroit. talked about I,
1: it, uh, through email, but I'm not sure if you, yeah, uh, I, I was unaware. Yeah, I don't know. Yes, I'm in the Detroit up the metro show.
3: area, Ohio adjacent. Yeah. Not Missouri.
1: We have no. uh, we have the Midwest. I we have quite a few fans or fans, friends, and listeners to the show. We have a few of them that actually live uh, in the Michigan area. I don't know yeah. how close to Detroit they live. I really don't yeah. know, <laughs> but we have a few up there, uh, including Metal Mikey. Metal Mikey lives yeah. out there, so Metal Mikey, Metal Mikey. <laughs> Uh, So Matt has one more song And then we gotta go into Frank's list And Matt is excited okay. to hear your list He has no idea what's on it I do wanna say before we ever even get there You put a song on your list That made me very happy So now I get to tease and then we'll get there It's it's actually the last song we're gonna talk about Matt And it made me very happy to hear it on this list But this is Matt's right. final song <laughs> mean it kind of had to be on the list somewhere right
2: yeah hey jay yeah what uh what celestial body comes into view in this song what could it could it be the aurora borealis shut up matt (laughs) (laughs) jay has trouble frank is sitting there like i have no idea what's happening jay has trouble
1: saying certain words and uh that is one that Aurora borealis. Aurora
3: borealis. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> See, everybody else can do it. I know everybody else can do it, Matt. Shut up, Matt. <laughs> it's a it's a difficult word for me. The worst one is the store. Um, rural, rural R- 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 king, rural R- king. <laughs> ah. I don't like it. The Rural Juror? <laughs> uh, I can't do
3: it. <laughs> the rural Juror. Again, I can't remember what that was from, the guys
1: think it's really funny to make fun of me, but I can't yeah. say it. Uh I had to With practice. The
3: Rural Juror. I think it was uh 30 Rock. Uh I believe That's you are anyway. correct. Yes.
1: Uh, the Rural the, Juror. It was the name of uh like the movie or the TV show or something like that that yeah. 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 Season 1 episode yeah. 10. Yeah. 30 Rock. I don't know why you would know that, but this is uh, Flock I of Seagulls. I just Googled it. That's how. You, you should have never admitted that. You should have just been like, I just knew. Oh, it. yeah.
2: I've never seen a single episode uh, of 30 Rock. So, this is
3: Flock yeah. of Seagulls. I only just watched it.
1: <laughs> I watched it about two years ago. Yeah, was when I sat down yeah, to watch it all. About us, too. Uh, I ran Flock of Seagulls. Flock of
3: Seagulls, great song.
1: 1982, uh, third single and second single from... <laughs> It was the band's third single and the second single from their title <laughs> debut album. That's confusing, but it makes sense. Uh, hit number nine in the United States. Uh, as to what the song is about, lead singer Mike Score said there were two main sources of inspiration. The band would visit Eric's Club in Liverpool, where another band had a song called I Ran. Uh, Score said that the song's title and chorus may have got stuck in his head a little bit. Uh, then... There was a poster at Zoo, Records, at, the, at Zoo Records Office. That's what it says. Uh, the band had gone there with the intent of snagging a record contract, and they wanted to use the poster they saw on the wall, uh, which featured a man and a woman running away from a flying saucer as the cover for their first album. Uh, Flock of Seagulls from 1982. The poster also inspired the song's lyrics, which are very, like, you know, outer spacey kind of stuff. So Matt, why'd you pick? it? Yeah. Uh, Mainly because I wanted to
2: hear you say Aurora Borealis. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) And no other reason. (laughs) No, I, I, I honestly think that this is just like the most quintessentially eighties. This is a very new wave song.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes.
2: It like any song that can be played by holding your finger on one key on a synthesizer while spinning around with fog going in the background and your hair <laughs> is in like a weird tidal wave tsunami effect. It's, it, I mean, it doesn't get more 80s than that. Yeah. This so, is a, very-
3: yeah, it would have definitely been on my list. Had I originally gone with songs from 1982 based on the video, because it was such a memorable yeah. video Yeah, and that hair. That and hair. it also has, you guys, I mean, there's a sound of new wave that that's like that. We're They don't sound exactly alike, but different bands have that. The singer has that vocal quality. Mm -hmm. This is definitely one of those bands. And then another one of those bands where I was like, what is wrong with me? Why do I like this music? Because I will say real quickly, sixth grade, I was like Billy Squire, Jay Giles, Ario Speedwagon, um, you know, and then all of a sudden, 82, I got into junior high MTV. And then it was like, This is different. And I went from, you know, listening to rock to listening to New Wave. And I was just like, where have you been all my life, this (laughs) music? But I didn't want anyone to know because I didn't want them to think I was weird. (laughs)
1: Uh, Well, we like that you're weird. It was
3: like being gay. (laughs) Everyone knew I was gay. Everyone knew I was weird. Why couldn't I have just lived my life and enjoyed it so much So much wasted time and, and so once you rest. embrace it you yeah. realize
1: oh wait this is actually kind of fun I like yeah. being weird weird is yeah. awesome
3: yeah. I remember one year I went to school it was 86 and I wore my best friend who was kind of new wave he had what I call simply red hair he had red hair it was short <laughs> all around the sides and it was really curly on top and it just kind of hung down in his face and I wore like this oversized striped shirt and buttoned it up to the neck and put a little brooch on it And it left it untucked and wore like these loose baggy pants and put gel in my hair. And I went to school and I was like, ah. And then later I was like, what did I do? I can't believe I went to school with gel in my hair.
1: First of all, when you said "simply red hair," pictured it immediately. <laughs> yep, so did
2: I.
3: Yep. Yeah, yeah, right,
2: right. It's a,
1: it's, it's, yep, it's, a, it's great. It, I love it.
2: I, and and you definitely painted an entire picture of that. Like, I, I, as you were listing off the articles of clothing, I'm like, yeah, okay, I see it. Yeah, all there right, we the brooch uh, is like, button up this here. is this is a this is a look right here, man. Like, just go with it. It's awesome.
3: I know. And then that, then I was like, why do they think I'm gay? <laughs> Well,
1: anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh God, I love it. Uh, well, thank God you came around to uh, to admitting that you love New Wave because we got your list now. And uh, your, yes. Matt already knows one song because it got leaked a little bit a few minutes ago. But uh, we're going to start off with that song, Matt. I do want to. I do want to. Spe- I, I, he did specify. There's only one version mm-hmm. in his opinion, and it's this one. Okay.
0: Oh
2: yeah.
1: Oh, Nana. Name of the band not person. Uh, from their 1983 self-titled album this is Neun Luftballons. Uh, the English version is not a direct translation of the German, German original and contains lyrics with a bit of a different meaning behind them. Uh, that is important to know. In the U.S., the English-language version did not chart, but the German-language one became Nene's only U.S. hit. Uh, while at a June 1982 concert by the Rolling Stones in West Berlin, Uh, Nana's guitarist, Carlo Cargis, noticed that balloons were being released. As he watched them move uh, uh, toward the horizon, he noticed them shifting and changing shapes uh, where they looked like strange spacecraft. Um, So he thought about what might happen if they floated over the Berlin Wall into the Soviet sector, and that's what inspired them to write this song this has been a thing of much contention in the world. Which version do people like? Uh, I think overwhelmingly people will tell you they prefer the German version. Um, and yeah. obviously it it hit in the States, whereas the English version did not. That that one came along later, yeah. by the way. So, Well, I will tell you I'm putting the German version on this episode's playlist. Well, that's the one so. that needs to be on this playlist. Uh, yeah. Do you want to tell us
3: why you chose this song? Well, here's the thing we've established that i was weird. uh i think like i had this this thing about me as a kid and i'm still a little bit this way, this way. i always wanted to like what everyone else didn't like. even though i wanted to be normal and like everyone else, i always wanted to like what people didn't like. so like i always wanted to speak a foreign language and so when i would hear like i almost did a list of foreign language songs that would have included like felco, de Camazar, and you know some French song or whatever, but I always wanted to like foreign music, you know, so i i Nana it was german uh I loved the video, I had this fascination, there was this whole fascination with nuclear war in the early
1: yes eighties there,
3: there was this movie the day after nice. and uh and I just loved the video. I chose my songs based really on the video, I just loved the video there was something fascinating about the video and The nerd in me, I was in choir and we had this really cool choir teacher and she took me and my gayest friend out to lunch and we went to this music store and I saw the sheet music, the piano sheet music for 99 Luff Balloons. And I was like, Miss Good, would you buy this for me? And she was like, well, do you plan on singing it as a solo at our concert? And I was like, no, I just want the music because I wanted to like, teach myself how to play it I had this little like mini organ and I taught myself how to play the whole little and then I wanted to know what does this mean in English and you couldn't just you know google it and they had like the translated version on the second page or the back page or whatever but even I knew like it wasn't it so like I don't know I don't know if I ever figured out but I just was into I was into the German because everyone else thought it was stupid. <laughs> uh, and the thing about Nana, like that was the only song, you know. I had the 45 on the back side, it was the English version. But then there was another song called Just, just a Dream. And on the back side was another German song called Rette mich. And it was in German. And the Just a Dream was in English. Rette mich was in in German and I was like it's another German song I have no idea what the hell she's sang and I just love her voice and I love how she does her own harmonies I love mm-hmm. it whenever singers do their own harmonies I know it's not unique to her but uh, she had that hair and that leather jacket and she just danced in the balloons and the explosions and I just thought the video was so cool and then fast forward I moved to New York in 95 and I went to Tower Records Outlet and I was perusing the CDs and I was like, they have a foreign section. I want to see what they have. And I found a Nana album called Eisbrecher and I bought it. It was like, you know, $5 or whatever. No one else wanted to buy it. And I bought it and it's all in German. Every song is in German. I don't know what the hell she's saying. And I feel like I'm getting so passionate about this, as you can probably tell. <laughs> I feel like song is in a foreign language and you don't understand it you can overlook lyrics are terrible or the meaning if it's a stupid song you just base it on the feeling of what the song sounds like and how it makes you feel uh, like she has a song called Moon Song and I later met a German girl I did a student film and I was still acting with this German girl and I was like oh could you please translate this Nana song for me and it was about like Little space creatures going up on the moon and coming down, and it was like so stupid. <laughs> but in the German, beautiful, beautiful song. So then I started like every night. Then once we got the internet, you know, I was like, I I have twelve Nana CDs. That's the number I go with. It could be ten. It could be fifteen. But I have a collection of Nana CDs that are all in German, and I listen to them. I don't know what any of the songs are about. I got to see Naina in concert in New York, 2016. She came to the United States. I believe it was her first time in the United States ever, or maybe since the first song came out, you know, 40 years before. Sony Music Theater. She only did songs in German. There were tons of German people. She did speak in English. But she is, back to what you said about bands that are bigger in other countries that yeah. never hit here. Yeah, she is the German Madonna, or the German Kylie Minogue, or the you know like she is huge. Yeah. She plays the 03 Stadium or whatever it is in Berlin. I don't know numbers fifty thousand people, twenty thousand people, whatever. And at this little tiny Sony Theater in New York, there were maybe two hundred people there, if that. But it was cool because there was this small group of people who loved Nana and loved German music, that's great. and and like, well, I won't say like Madonna, but she still looks pretty good, and she's like sixty years old. Yeah, now, so
1: that's, that's um, freaking awesome. Also, I'm sixty-two. You I'm keep actually looking her up you right could now. Put, so. Keep putting ideas in my head. We'll have to have you back and do a. Uh, an episode that is just like the best foreign songs because I, yeah. you said that and I started like yeah, they started, started rolling oh my into my oh, head like, like yeah. that. Would well, work. I love the Misses
3: Parodies. She's French, but she's not really new wave at all. But she is '90s. So if we ever do that,
1: uh, yeah, we might have to break. You in. know, now
3: everyone knows her as the former Mrs. Johnny Depp, but I knew her way back when.
1: Yeah, we, that that would be a really cool episode. We're gonna have to. We'll have to put that together at some point. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, So, And I
3: also take pride in like, I'm like the, you know, it's that thing like, you're gay. I'm the only one. No, you meet all these other, you go to your first gay bar and you meet all these other people who are just like you. And there I was at this Nana concert, finally, like, not no longer a freak for liking a German pop star that no one else in the world listens (laughs) to. I do, I do, I told you uh, before, I do 99 Love Balloons at karaoke, and I only do the German. That's, that's. So I was working on a mixed version, but I never got to sing it because COVID. Yeah, you. And there was a German person in the audience once, and they were like, your German is very good. And I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm saying. I just have a good ear. Sorry, man. I have a good ear, yeah. It's all phonetic. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, though. This, by
2: the way, this is another one with a pretty good cover version, too. Uh, the band Goldfinger put it out a few years yes, ago. Yes, I
3: do know that one, actually, yeah. yeah. Good stuff.
1: Matt's a, Matt's, Matt loves finding cover versions of songs. Oh, is, I yes, get, I, do. I get He sends them to me all the time. The other day, he sends me a song. And he's oh, like, yeah. I I was losing my my shit. He sends me a song He's like, "What do you think of this?" And I I listen to it later and and uh he texts me again and says, "I didn't know it was a cover version." And I'm like, "Dude, you just sent me Missionary man." I was like, "That's freaking yeah. that's The rhythm. It's like my favorite song too." Like that's yeah. Annie Lennox. I I like, "What in the hell? I saw her." So I was yeah, like, I sent him the
2: ghost version, I, and I was just like, "Oh, that's I, a cool song." And then I super jealous you know, that you got to like, experience that
1: for the first time because that's and is.
2: and it was during it was while I was doing research, you know, trying to find new wave songs. I was like, "Yeah, hey, the rhythmics have a song called Missionary." Yeah, man. I
1: wonder
2: it's, if that's like the ghost song. And I went and I was like, "I do oh appreciate my God. that
1: they changed it slightly, yeah. like they the way they yeah. the layout of the song, not the lyrics of the song." I thought that was yeah. kind of cool,
3: but. Well that uh, happened to me in the in eighty seven. Uh we were on a family vacation and we were driving up to our cottage and Venus, Banana Rama, mm-hmm. came on and my mother started singing along. Now my mother, she was not she was also very young when I was born, but I was like, How do you know this song? And she's like, This is an old song from the sixties <laughs> and I was like, So it begins. We the cover have- we have a couple of the cover bands, a cover songs.
1: I don't know if we talked about Venus or not. We have a couple of episodes of the show where we do uh, songs you didn't know were remakes, and I don't. Yeah, know we gotta yeah. start
2: researching our own episodes now.
1: I don't know if, re- if uh, <laughs> Venus made it on. I'd have to go back and check, but I uh, yeah, like I Tainted I Loves on there, one. and you know Crimson and Clover, and all these songs that people like didn't realize were uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun,
3: Tommy James <laughs> and the Shondells. You know?
1: Yeah, like people don't always realize that. Uh, what you're hearing might might be the most popular version, but it's not the original version. Uh, yeah. So you I feel mentioned, like
2: it, I feel like it was on there. Yeah,
1: it it might have been. We did a couple of them, so it might have made one. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned this band earlier as well, and you said you know we'd be talking about them. So let's go into your next song, so we can talk about this band that you say only girls like, but I love. Yeah. <laughs> on Monday by Duran Duran. 10th single uh, by the English New Wave band Duran Duran. Released in January of 1984, it was the second single to be taken from the band's third studio album, Seven and the Ragged Tiger. Uh, The song was another success. The song was huge, uh, reaching the top 10 on both the UK and the US charts. It reached number 10 on the US Billboard Hot 100. Um, This was... They had like a string... There for a while of hits. They're one of those bands that um, had a bunch of hits in the eighties and then slowly started to fade off, and then came back in the nineties and did it all over again. I was actually a fan of Duran Duran in both the eighties and the nineties. So uh, it's a great song. Uh, Why did you choose it?
3: Well, as I as I mentioned earlier, I was not a Duran Duran fan. Only girls like Duran Duran. (laughs) Um, They wore makeup. Like I didn't like pretty guys. Uh, though the drummer I thought the drummer was hot and I love the reflex if I chose my favorite Duran Duran song I would have picked the reflex because I love the video and I remember they did this thing on MTV I think now that I'm saying this it's coming back where they like had like I don't know 50 100 different remixed versions of the video some some of them were upside down some of them were flipped around And I thought Simon Lebon in that particular video had like the coolest hair. And I wanted to have new wave hair like that, but I wasn't going to tell anyone. But the reason I chose specifically New Moon on Monday was because of the video. The video, I don't know if you guys remember, but it starts out, he's like, they had these videos for a while in the 80s, not really like thriller, but sort of like thriller, where they would start with dialogue and not the song, and there'd be like acting and like you know, a little movie. And there was a scene in New Moon on Monday where he's in this theater and there's this mime on the stage and he's like, um, ladies and gentlemen, and then he starts speaking French. And I was like, oh, French, I want to speak French. Oh, and so I just like I just love the theatricality of it. And I recently rewatched it and I actually did eventually learn French and I still remember a lot of French and I actually now can understand what he was saying, but at the time I had no idea. But I just loved how like they did these little scenes, these like acting moments. Cause I wanted to be an actor starting around 13, 14. And I was like, this is so cool. And these aren't just, you know, these aren't just people in a behind instruments on a stage singing. These are like little, little movie shows. And then they just had so many great videos. I, you know, there was union of the snake and there was like this, creature this like lizard creature and uh i just i i always remember that opening of that new moon on monday video and then i eventually came to appreciate Duran Duran, and i saw them in concert and i thought they were
1: great i i was yeah great show uh girls on film was always one of my favorites it's there's a point of contention in my household though because i hate The song Rio, and my wife does not like that. I don't like that song, but I can't help it. I'm just not a fan of the song Rio, but I like everything else. So I don't. And remember
3: the album cover? Uh, Was
1: that the one with the the, the, the girls? Was it the face, or am I thinking of a different
3: face? But it was it was a Nagel. It was a Nagel thing. And I later went to college
1: salons.
3: Yes. Yeah, I went to college, and my friend I met at Michigan State was a big Nagel fan. And I was like, Oh, it's the Duran Duran album cover. <laughs> it was like, I was an idiot. Cause I had no idea that it was, you know, a real artist at the time. So Matt, um, do
1: you know about, about him, about Nagel? Uh,
2: literally only from Harrison.
3: Patrick Hardy. Nagel, was it? Uh, I don't it remember. sounds it familiar. I
2: I, 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 literally just know so like any, that art
1: style. You say that art style was all influenced by, by him. And, you should read up about him sometime. It's a very yeah. interesting story, um,
3: but I don't even know if I know his story. I just know he had a thing that was on a Duran Duran album cover. Well, that
1: his artwork um, was like huge, like predominantly featured everywhere around that time frame. For so yeah, that's TV why,
3: shows uh, you watch like thirty something or whatever, and yeah. someone's got a Nagel print on the wall, and
1: yeah, so that's why yeah. you. That's why you say Patrick that Nagel. Yeah, that's why you say that, uh, and
3: the, we used to call it we would make fun of Duran Duran, we used to call it Seven and the Tigers on the Rag. That's what we used to call it because we thought we were so cool.
2: Nice. Oh, man. So, by the way, Jay, uh, Venus was featured in episode 16, Songs You Didn't Know Were Covers, volume one. There you go. It was the very first one we did, um, which was, I think, before I was even on the show. No, you got to like. No, re- I did episode fifteen. Yeah, I was the one right before because that was the fuzz
1: bucket episode. Yeah, well, we won't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> no, you need to read about like he did this. Uh, he died like he did this fundraiser for like they did like a, a marathon to raise money for like heart attack victims, and yeah. then they like found him in his car. He w- he wasn't very old either. I think like in his thirties, they found him in his car a little bit later, and he had died of a heart. Attack. It's really bizarre. Like he ended up having a heart attack in his car after doing this like marathon event for like raising money for heart victims and stuff.
3: Born in Dayton, Ohio. I'm looking a it up right 15 now. 15
2: minute celebrity aerobathon.
1: Is that what it was? I knew it, it was something yeah. like that. And uh, yeah.
3: 38 years old. A yeah. Heart attack.
1: Yeah, and it's always been one of those crazy things. It's like how ironic is that? It's kind of like the guy who invented segways died on a segway. So yeah, so yeah, weird stuff. Um. So, the next two songs on your list, I adore. Like, I mean, I love both of these songs so much. And we'll have to, I have to tell a story about the last one on your list and about the next one on your list and what I always thought they were saying growing up. But this is your next song. Voices Carry by Till Tuesday, or what I thought they were saying as a child is, hush, hush, keep it down now, this is scary. Uh, I thought that for a long time growing up that they were saying this is scary, and it's Voices Carry. Uh, This is the band's debut studio album, Voices Carry, from 1985. The music video received wide exposure on, surprise, surprise, MTV, and positive reactions from critics. It was nominated for numerous awards and is a big part of the song's success. The song was released in America in March of 1985 and uh, became the band's highest-charting single, uh, and, they all, and they're and only top 10 in the U.S., peaking at number 8 on the Billboard Hot 100. Now, there's a little bit of debate over the subject matter of the lyrics. One claim says that an argument between Michael Hausman and bandmate, former girlfriend Amy Mann, inspired the song. But producer Mike Thorne disputes this and claims the lyrics originally had man singing to another woman and the gender was changed due to pressure from Epic Records. Um, So we don't know. Ministry frontman Al Jorgensen said that the song was inspired by a brief relationship he had with Amy Mann while living in Boston. So everybody wants to claim what the lyrics are about. Nobody really knows. I guess Amy Mann probably knows. <laughs> so. Hold
2: on. What? First off, I also, while doing research for this show, discovered Ministry's first album. It sounds nothing like uh, ring-a-dang-ding-a-ding-a-dang-ding-dong. <laughs> Jesus built my hot rod. Jesus first built off. my hot rod.
3: Mm-hmm. It's a very new wave.
2: Yeah, it is. And I, I, I was like, wait a minute, was there two bands in no. <laughs> ministry? Interesting. Uh, second side note, while looking for the song on Spotify to add it to the playlist, I discovered that Tiffany does a cover of this song. Really? Yes. Interesting. So that's something to look up. Um, and this is also another song I discovered as a cover version first.
1: Well, of so. course you did, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I did. So why, Frank, did you pick Voices Carry besides the fact that it's an awesome song?
3: Well, again, I picked it for the video. I wasn't, you know, like I didn't own a Till Tuesday album, but it was one of those videos that you would see. And I always remembered the, the specific moment where she stands up in the theater at the end. In the middle of the concert, and she's, you know, whatever she's doing. But I became an Amy Mann fan later, like in the 90s, right, with right. like the Magnolia soundtrack and all that. But I always knew, oh, she's from Till Tuesday. And I always remember Voices Carry, and I always remember the video. But in preparation for this, I went back and watched the video, and I had forgotten that it has those acting moments. And they're even more so than the Duran Duran. Like there are scenes, and there's this guy. I don't know if you guys checked it out, but there is this guy. He's so good looking, gorgeous, gorgeous guy. I can't believe, I can't believe I don't remember him from the eighties. I remember her standing up at the thing, but there's this guy and there's these scenes and he's like her boyfriend and he's very abusive. And he's like, you know, telling her her what's with the hair and where are the earrings I gave you and you need to look more normal basically is what he's telling her. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous man. And then I looked him up. His name was Cully Holland. Yep. And he died of AIDS. Mm. And I was just like, man, man, we, you know, like, and that's the thing. Like, I don't want to be like, you would have never known he was gay, but like, I didn't, because you, everyone was in the closet. Nobody knew. Nobody could be open. And, you know, like the guy from Square Pegs died of AIDS. This guy died of AIDS. Uh, There was another actor who was like, on this show called We Got It Made from 1982. These two guys, Terry Copley, this beautiful blonde bombshell was their live-in maid. And it was like a, sort of like a threes company thing. He died from AIDS and it's just like, man, man, oh man. Um, But I chose it for the video. And if you haven't seen it lately, the the scenes, the acting scenes, it's just so over the top and overly dramatic. And, um, but just like, Art, like really, really art, artistic, cinematic quality video.
1: My wife and I talk a lot about like people from bands that left the band, and was it like went on to become so much more? And Amy Mann is definitely one of those people. Like you said, I actually didn't realize we're talking like '90s. I didn't realize for a long time that oh wait, this is this is the girl from Till Tuesday. When she, you know, was kind of having, she kind of had a resurgence in the '90s. Like you said, the Magnolia soundtrack and all that came out towards the late '90s. She
3: was in one of those movies. I, I always either Big Lebowski. I think she was. Yes, in, I believe acting. you are correct. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah and, and I
3: love her husband, Michael Penn, Sean Penn's brother. Yes, I'm a fan of his.
1: Me too, and he's a, he's one of those guys that uh, let me put it this way: um, <laughs> uh, no myth is on numerous playlists of mine and I'm like whatever happened to this they're like this dude had a great voice like I loved him and yeah. then he just I, he didn't really do anything else which is kind of a bummer because I love that song so uh, it's yeah. that's cool great song but I'm really excited by your last song this is the one uh, and I gotta tell I it's a stupid story but I always get a kick out of it so here is your final choice and now I feel Don't Go by Yazoo, or as they're known in the U.S. and Canada, Yaz. Um, released in 1982 is the second single from their debut album, Upstairs at Eric's. Uh, the song peaked at number three on the U.K. singles chart, becoming Yazoo's second top five hit. In the U.S., where the band was known as Yaz, the song was their second big hit on the American dance chart, where it spent two weeks at number one in October of 1982 music video for the song features band members Allison moyette and Vince Clark in a sort of haunted mansion with Clark cast in the role of Victor Frankenstein um I have the I have the twelve inch vinyl single of this um it is one of my I saw it in the record store picked it up instantly I was like gotta have it um but I'll never forget going to my cousin's wedding and them getting up, and they're doing the whole thing at the the rehearsal dinner thing, and them letting it out that my cousin's favorite band of all time was Yaz, and I got such a kick out of it. I don't know why. made me laugh so hard, and I'm like, but it's also wonderful. I do not, I personally do not feel that Yaz gets the attention and respect that they deserve. (laughs) That is just my humble opinion. No, definitely not. I think they are... They
3: only have two albums. Yeah,
1: and they're incredible, both of them. I, I... yeah. Love this band. I think I I love synth music. Right, anything synth pop or synth heavy. I'm a, I I love the Cars. You know, I love anything with a lot of synthesizer. And Yaz was fantastic. Uh, I mean, you've said a lot about music videos, and I just mentioned this music video. Why did you pick this band?
3: Well, I picked the song because of the video. Okay, but I picked the band because. Yaz is like one of my favorite bands from that period. And the story that I have to tell is set, uh, 12th grade, 1987, I decided to try out for cheerleading. I didn't want anyone to think I was gay, but I decided to try out for cheerleading. <laughs> now, the reason was, because there was another guy on cheerleading who I thought was hot. But, and my best girlfriend, female friend, she was on cheerleading and she was like, we need more guys on cheerleading. You should try out for cheerleading. So I tried out for cheerleading. And we had to do this dance routine. And the song comes on that we're learning this dance routine, and it's Yaz Situation. And I had never heard it before. And all of a sudden, I'm so I should have picked Situation, but I wanted to go, I wanted to be pretentious and go by the video. But I heard that synth, and I was like, this sounds like Depeche Mode. Mm. And Depeche Mode is my ultimate band. I can't believe no one put Depeche Mode on their list, (laughs) including myself. Depeche Mode is my ultimate band. And that synth reminded me of Depeche Mode. And my other band is Erasure. And I was like, "Yes." so I started, who is, who is Yaz? And then I was like, somebody was like, this song is old. It's from like 1982. So it was like five years old, but back then five years is a long time. And you don't want to be listening to music. That's like outdated because it just makes you stupid. But I loved Yaz. I got, I picked up the cassette and then I realized that Vince Clark had been in Depeche mode. And then now he was in erasure and I was just like, Alison Moyes' voice. And so then I was like, cool because I was listening to Yaz. And then I got, had all these friends who were like below me, 11th grade and 10th grade. And then I got them listening to Yaz. And so like people were actually, you know how you'd write on your folder, like names of the bands you like. And people were like, Yaz. And I was like, yeah, it's all because of me because <laughs> I decided that Yaz was cool. Um, but it was like, cause a I heard Erasure in like 85 and I didn't know, Vince Clark then and then my friend's brother, the deaf one, actually, he, he was in college. He turned us on to Erasure and he was like, yeah, it's Vince Clark. He was in in Depeche Mode. and So I was just like, "They all those three bands together are just like my three favorites. And so I should have picked something from Depeche Mode and Erasure, <laughs> but I threw in, yes. And I got to see them, I keep saying it, but I got to see them in New York like 2012 or whatever, they hadn't been together in 40 years or 30 years or whatever the math is back then. So good.
1: I would go see them in a second. I think they're just fun as hell. Actually, all three of those bands are are fun as hell, and I would go see any of them. Um, This is, uh, you mentioned Depeche Mode, much like Duran Duran. Hit a big band in the 80s, kind of started to fade, came back in the 90s. I love their 90s stuff as much as I love their 80s stuff. I'm a huge fan of Depeche Mode as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Violator is one of the best albums. I, I remember just listening to it end to end. And I was like, okay, I'm good. Uh, great, yeah. great lists all around. Um, as is always the case, we put the word out and we have some of the tapeworms. That's our listeners, in case you didn't know, uh, <laughs> gave, give their thoughts on, uh, what they would put on their list. So we're going to read off a few of those really quick. Uh, Stewie D who is frequently a, a host on this show. He said he would, he would put cars by Gary Newman and Iran. And Too Shy. So, no, Kajagugu made the list, although I did consider Kajagugu, but he gives us Too Shy. I
2: almost put them on mine, actually.
1: Um, Mike Brinkman says Blondie's Rapture, and he's also a very, very smart man because he mentioned Wall of Voodoo by Mexican Radio. Um, Our good friends over at Behind the Funny suggest the Arrhythmic Sweet Dreams, After the Fire, Dear Commissar. um, For those of you who don't know, that is the English remake of the Falco song, which you mentioned earlier. So most people know that the After the Fire version, but Falco did it first. Um, The man himself, Mr. Skiznot, said Never Stop by Echo and the Bunnymen, but he was also very awesome and sent over his YouTube New Wave video playlist that he had already put together. So he sent that over for me to check out, which was great. Uh, Matt,
2: yeah, we'll have to post that in the in the group. Connie if it's
0: already,
1: uh, because every uh-huh. list we do, Matt's wife Connie gives us something <laughs> by Cindy Lopper. She says she bought. Hey,
2: you've, you've, <laughs> you've caught on.
1: <laughs> and then uh, I, Molly, I hope I'm saying this right. Molly McAnany uh said, "Tom Tom Club, kiss me when I get back." So. Those were some of the listener suggestions. We appreciate all of those. Those, of course, will go on to the listener playlist, which Matt puts together all the playlists for Spotify, so you can go over and check everything out there. Uh, We are on Spotify um, with our playlists. We are on Instagram. We are on – help me. I've forgotten everything. TikTok. TikTok, Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, Mastodon. Yeah. You can follow all, us through all, the things. all of those. The Of course, the best way is to go over to the website, and you can just uh, scan the link tree. It'll take you everywhere you want to go. We are working on some stuff on the website. Um, obviously, we want you guys to go over and check out fan or friends of the show, uh, some of the other shows that we uh, appreciate here, uh, people that we are friends with. Please go check out their stuff over there at the website, which is yourmixtapepod.com. Matt... Why don't you give the folks at home our voicemail line in case they want to call in and leave us a voicemail? Hey, everybody.
2: (laughs) This is Matt. If you'd like to call us and leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 513-437-2377, and that also translates out to 513-HERAD77. Call us and leave us your thoughts on what your favorite uh, 80s New Wave songs
1: would be. And uh, we'll add them to the playlist, as as we said earlier. Yep. So there you go. That's all our social media stuff. Please yeah. check us out. Um, and as always, please go and check out all of these songs. We encourage you highly to show some love and support for the artists who uh, recorded these songs. And, man, why wouldn't you want to listen to all this? I mean, this is this was yeah. a great list. Tons this, of fun. This may this be my
2: uh, playlist I listen to on the plane on my way to Horrorhound
1: Weekend. Ah, yeah. So when I, guess I come will, to visit you guys. That. Uh, Frank, that is
3: Horror. Well, I might just send you my other songs that didn't I didn't include because absolutely I had some good ones. Send um, them,
1: and Matt will put them on the other playlist. <laughs> I
3: will. Nice. <laughs> Which is you're going where to Cincinnati? Cincinnati. for horror, horror Hound. Weekend? Horror Hound.
1: Yeah. Yes, Horror Hound. Horror Hound. Weekend. Yes. It always scary sounds like,
3: Movie Dog. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> scary Movie Dog Weekend. We actually know the people to put it together. Mm-hmm. That's actually where we met. Matt was at a Horror Hound Weekend. Uh, we will be out at that one. It is the weekend of the 24th out here. Uh, if anybody out there can make it out, come up and say hi. We go to these a lot. Um, got some great people there. Whether Even if you're not into horror movies, there's always awesome people there. Um, big chunk of the cast of, uh, well, the, we'll say Karate Kid. We'll say Cobra yeah. Kai, but it's actually the Karate Kids. Uh, it's Ralph Macchio, uh, William Zabka, and Martin Cove are all going to be out there. Uh, Bruce Campbell's going to be there. Um God, the half the cast almost the whole almost the whole cast of ET minus um yeah minus one person which uh yeah Drew she's not to be there but yeah. uh, right the rest of them are going to be there yeah so it's uh Drew it's Barrymore a good time. come on the show we know you listen <laughs> <laughs> yeah f- uh, fan of the show Drew Barrymore yep. um Frank we loved having you on man you were a ton yeah. of fun i want to encourage oh. everyone to go out and check out his books um Do you you have a website directly? You said you have a blog. Uh, Do you have a – like a direct – I
3: have frankanthonypolito.com, but I don't put too much stuff on it. Mostly I'm on Instagram, sometimes on Facebook. I just find it's hard when you're writing books to actually write any other kind of content or writing scripts or – but yeah, frankanthonypolito.com.
1: Well, what we will do, um, we actually follow you. Our Instagram account follows you. Uh, so mm-hmm. we will we'll grab your Instagram handle, and we're going to put it in the show notes, everyone. So please hey. go over and click on it and show Frank some love. That would be awesome.
3: And thank you for letting me ramble on and relive my youth and do this. I don't know if anyone's even st- going to still be listening by this point, um, <laughs> but I could talk and talk 80s stuff obscure movies god i wish we could do obscure movies just one of the guys one of my favorites oh man so here's <laughs> what
2: we need to do you,
1: you just you, just, <laughs> you uh,
2: stepped into something you don't there. know
1: so we actually And do. the guy yeah. from
3: Karate Kid was in that yes he yeah. was
1: William Zabka so here's the thing um and this would be awesome to have you on for so yes. we do a side show which we would like to promote here a little bit we do Twisted Kid for all of our fans you know we do Twisted Kid we used to do it as audio and then we started a YouTube channel. And what we do on Twisted Kid is we go back to movies from our youth, from mostly 80s and 90s, that, as we say, turned us into the Twisted Kids we are today. They just need to be weird or fun or goofy. We need to have you on for an episode of that. Now, that is video. Uh, but what yeah, we all do All right. Is, I'll
3: make myself presentable. <laughs> we
1: watch a movie, then we come on and we give, we just talk about it. And, um, well, it would be great to have you on for one of those. We're always looking for guests to come on that and give us what yeah. movie they Stretch would watch. Stretch your choose.
3: balls. <laughs> My balls don't itch. All balls itch. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> happened to that kid? Uh, he, yeah, oh, he was on a geez. few
1: things, and he just sort of disappeared, too. That happens a lot. You remember the creepy kid from, uh, I don't know why just one of the guys always reminds me of Teen Witch, but it does, probably because it was in that same oh, era God. for me.
2: I just watched that uh, around Halloween, actually, for the first time. Yeah. Whatever happened to that? I had to see too? the rap battle happen. <laughs> oh,
1: God. Stop well. that.
3: <laughs> sorry. Yeah. This kid, this oh, Frank God. Anthony Polito won't that? shut up. <laughs> it's
1: okay. <laughs> uh, but we loved having you on. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Guys, we're going to go ahead and end this episode. Uh, please check us out online. Please uh, share the show with your friends. Please check out Frank online as well. Again, we will put his Twitter, or, I'm sorry, his Instagram handle in our uh, show notes
3: i do have twitter as well
1: you can click on i think i follow you on twitter i handle the twitter matt hands, handles the instagrams so it's it's uh we'll yeah. put them both on our show notes so you guys can go check them out uh and that's it guys we love you all until next time we have the opportunity to speak with you at home remember to always Stay, Stay awesome. awesome. You too hey, and are you playing
3: my song here?
1: I will play the song here. <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop it in uh, post. So, uh, Yeah, we talked through some of it, though, so that's okay. Yeah, tell tell Matt about this, because I actually didn't. I wanted to surprise him, but uh, Frank tells me about a song and that he sends over his own creation, which I, oh, I figured well, we would drop in the end.
3: Yes. In... In Detroit, we had a station called WHYT 96.3, and they played this version. Am I allowed to say what it is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Go for it. It's 99 Left Balloons, but they did a um, version where they alternated German and English, and it didn't exist. But then Casey Kasem Top 40 did a version, too. And I found some obscure, like, message board that posted about it. And I tracked this guy down on Lincoln, who was, like, the original, I don't know, audio guy who made the version that they played on KCK's in Top 40. And he sent me a link to that show that they played it on. And then his version was not the version that they played in Detroit. They did, like, a full verse in English, a full verse in German, a full verse in English. So I created my own version that's the best to my memory of the version they played in Detroit that's like a sentence of German, a sentence of English, a sentence of German, a sentence of English. So uh, that's what I sent over. And one of these days, I will sing it at karaoke. I just haven't done back. <laughs> and, um,
1: yeah, he sent it over to us, Matt, and I was like, oh, this is cool. I will drop this as the end credits song. Uh, since okay. he put it together for us I thought that'd be a lot of fun to do it's a little yeah. different uh, yeah so, always love that um, awesome hey Frank we oh say awesome you? all the time oh that's a, I literally say awesome all the time that's why it's our stay awesome is our kind of like yeah our, our little sign off is it yeah. okay with you I didn't want to do it without asking if I send Matt uh, copies of your books as well
3: yeah but where are you gonna get them from
1: you sent them to me the ones that I did I, I sent you
3: the PDF <laughs> you did <laughs> I sent you the pdfs right yes <laughs> yeah you, you shouldn't buy that stuff i've already been paid yeah send them the pdfs <laughs> you know <laughs> You're like, where are you gonna get them like... in the 90s i own the rights to that <laughs> so uh, and as someone who's more 90s i would love to get your take on it because i you know okay. M- matthew star in the you is my oh, favorite man. oh man and i song. use it in the chapter i love that song yeah yeah. Much. yeah 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 we'll
1: uh, have to wait for that
2: Haben Luftballon gefunden, denk an dich und lass ihn fliegen.